Hello and welcome to Hillcrest To Go. I'm your host, John Parker. Today, Dr. Tom Goodman shares a message titled, Keep the Fire Burning. Now, an important message from Dr. Tom Goodman. Well, back in 1922, there were some hunters that were out in a remote area of Murchison, New Zealand, and they, they found that natural gas was emitting steadily from a crack in the rock. They got curious and they lit it, and that flame has now been burning steadily for 100 years. You can sign up for a tour, a touring company will bring groups out to this remote location that only they know about, and they'll cook you pancakes and hot tea on this steadily uh, emitting flame. Now, 100 years is a long time for a flame to stay lit. I have to admit that when it comes to the fire of my passion for God, it comes and goes unlike that flame. It might be true for you as well. You know, there are times when uh, I'm on fire for God. I, I consume his, his word like I would food. I, I pray expecting miracles. I share my faith without hesitation. But then there are those times when the flame of faith seems to almost die out. I coast, my prayers go flat. You know, I sort of give in to self-pity. Now that's gotta be somewhat uh, the same words that you could use for your own history lesson with God. There are times when you're passionate and times when things go flat, where enthusiasm fades, where dullness sets in. That may be the case for you today on this Thanksgiving weekend. You're in a rut. You're in a spiritual rut. On one Alaska road where heavy trucks have worn deep ruts in the road, I'm told that there's a sign that warns motorists, choose your rut carefully, you'll be in it for the next 200 miles. <laughs> Some of us can identify with that spiritually speaking. But who really wants to stay in a rut? Who's really happy to say that their fire for God has died down? We were uh, in a series all throughout the fall called Still and we end that series today. We've been looking at Old Testament passages and New Testament passages that tell us to be still in faith and to stand still in faithfulness. And we end this series today with a commitment to keep this steady flame of faith going. We're going to look at Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. Let's take a look at Colossians two, verses six and seven. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and build up, built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I want you to circle in your Bible or in your notes, I want you to circle that word, continue. You received Christ Jesus as Lord, so now continue to live in Him. That's what we are being told here. We're being told to keep the fire going. The fire was lit. The, the flame of faith was lit some time ago. Continue to see it flaming fully even now. There was a few years ago, uh, the job placement company, monster.com, they had this Super Bowl ad that depicted a series of children talking about their dreams of 
what they wanted to be when they grew up. One boy said, when I grow up, I want to file all day. Another child said, I want to claw my way up to middle management. Another boy said, when I, want, when I grow up, I want to be underappreciated. A little girl said, I want to be paid less for doing the same job. And the last boy in the ad said, I want to be forced into early retirement. And then all of those images faded away, and on a black screen, there was a simple question in white letters, what did you want to be? And then that turned into the monster.com logo with, there's a better job out there. Now, the reason that that ad works so well is, I think a lot of us have moments in our lives where we feel this disconnect between what we intended to be and what we are, what we wanted to be and what we become. Now let me play off that ad a little bit. Imagine your start with your life with Christ. When you started your life with Christ, whether it was several years ago or several decades ago, when you started your life with Christ, did you say, in the future, I hope to lose all interest in prayer? In the future, I want to say, I want to make staying current with my favorite TV shows more important to me than making a difference in the lives of other people. When you started with Christ, did you say, in the future, I plan to complain and to groan more than I'm doing now? In the future, I want to lose my passion for working in God's service. No, I don't think any of us said that. In those days, in those years, uh, when we first came into a relationship with Jesus, I doubt any of us said that. And when we first committed ourselves to Christ, our days were filled with purpose and with dreams and with expect, expectation and with energy. You were willing to rearrange anything and everything to do what the Lord wanted you to do and to learn more about Him and His Word. Since that time, though, for some of us, we would have to say, what happened? My flame of faith has become just a little flicker. So what do we need to do? Well, according to this passage in the book of Colossians, we need to do a couple of things. First of all, and write this down in your notes, we keep the fire burning by looking back to our first contact with Jesus. Now, according to this passage, there's some things we need to do now. There's some things we need to develop now. But the first thing we need to do in order to keep the fire burning is to look back to when it was first lit, when it was first started. Notice how he points us back to our start with Christ. He began, just as you have received Christ Jesus, continue. So just as, continue. Just as, continue. You know, there are some of us, we think that uh, making a commitment to Jesus is something we do once in the past. And when we're done with that, we're done with that. Even worse, some of us think of making a commitment to Jesus as a rite of passage. It's just something you do at a particular stage in your life. And so you get your driver's license, you go on your first date, and then at youth camp you make a commitment to Jesus. Everybody does it. It's a phase you go through. But according to this passage of Scripture, we receive Jesus Christ, and then we continue in Him. Just as you received Jesus Christ, continue in Him. It's interesting he uses the word receive here, because in Paul's day it was a technical term for something that was passed down from a mentor to a student. The Apostle Paul was uh, uh, a, a rabbi before he became a, an apostle, a Christian, uh, a Christian disciple, and, and he went through the school of a, a rabbi named Gamaliel. And so it was common at that time for a, a, a rabbi to have this body of teaching, this instruction that he would pass down to his students, and his students would 
receive it. There's a couple of times in the Bible where the Apostle Paul speaks of receiving and passing along this truth, like he had been a rabbinical student, and now he was the rabbi, passing things down. And so in one passage in 1 Corinthians, we, we, we uh, teach this passage or recite this passage every time we do the Lord's Supper. He said, uh, what I received from the Lord, I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he broke it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body. Eat this. Do this in remembrance of me. And so he had received it, and now he passed it along, and they had received it, and it's, it's important for them to pass that along as well. And, and, and so it's interesting here that he reminds the Colossians that they received Christ Jesus as Lord. Somebody had passed down Jesus to them, and they received him. In the Colossians case, the, the case of the Colossians Christians, they would have received it from their church planter, their founding pastor, a man named Epaphras. And Epaphras had passed down the teaching about Jesus Christ. And they were, when they received those teachings about Jesus Christ in some mysterious way, they received Jesus himself. And, and that's the way it is with you. That's the way it is with me. A faithful Sunday school teacher in your childhood talked with you about Jesus. Or there was a, a drama, a play that was put on at youth camp that told the story of Jesus. Or in your, during your college years, when you were in a college group, somebody gave you some instructions, some lessons about Jesus. And when you received those truths that that person talked about Jesus, you were receiving in a mysterious way Jesus himself. And if you want that fiery passion for God that you once had, the first thing to do then is to look back to the way it once was in your life. You know, that's what Jesus told the Ephesian Christians in Revelation chapter 2. You read the book of Revelation, you know that after Revelation chapter 1, where Jesus in a very dramatic way presents himself to the Apostle John, he tells John in chapters 2 and 3 to pass along letters to seven churches that, regarding some things that Jesus was concerned about. And in, in, the, in the first letter, the letter to the Ephesians, Jesus said, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love, the love you had at first. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So if you're, if you're tired of the spiritual rut you're in, the first thing you need to do is look back to see the way it once was and desire that and long that and wish for that once again. Look at our scripture text, circle the words just as. What does that mean? It, it means that the way that you received Christ at first is now the way that you will be able to continue in him just as you received him, now continue in him. So think back to the time you first received him. I imagine when you first received him, you received him humbly, and you received him openly, and you received him submissively. And so if this passage is right, just as you received Christ, so now continue in him, then that means that just as you received him humbly, you need to continue in him with humility. Just as you received him uh, openly, you need to continue in him with this openness you once had. Just as you received him submissively, you need to continue with that same submissiveness that you began with Christ. So let's write these down in your notes. First of all, we accepted him humbly. That's the way you received him in the past. When we first came to Christ, we knew it wasn't based on anything 
that we were doing or trying to do for him. We couldn't earn or deserve our salvation. We sing those words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And we believed it. But the problem is for so many Christians, the longer you go in the Christian life, maybe the less amazing grace seems to you. And you no longer see grace as amazing because you, never, you, you no longer see your life as wretched or as formerly wretched. And you begin to think that God's pretty lucky to have somebody like you in his kingdom. And you start looking upon things that you used to see as blessings and now you see them as entitlements for doing good things for God. But we keep the fire burning by reminding ourselves that it's all of grace and it's still amazing. We received him humbly. We need to continue in him humbly. How else could we describe our first experience with Christ? The second word is openly. We accepted him openly. For many of us, when we were first received Jesus, um, we, we, we couldn't stop talking about him. Some, somebody said that uh, the definition of a fanatic is somebody who can't shut up and won't change the subject. And, and that's the way we were, somewhat fanatic about Jesus. I, I don't think that very many of us, if at all, went off to a street corner and handed out tracts, you know, as we accosted people on the street corners. But the point was that once, when, when we first received Jesus, we told people about it. We told our roommate. We told our marriage partner. We told our parents. We told our Sunday school class. We wanted people to know about this thing that had happened to us. Just as you receive Christ openly, so continue in him openly. Worship him openly. Talk about him openly. Recommend Christ to others openly. So how can we describe our first experience with Christ? We can use the words humbly. We can use the word openly. And we can use the word submissively. You can write that word down. When you first received Christ, you accepted him submissively. You remember the time when you first received Christ, when you saw him as more than just a character in a church story? Do you remember those first few weeks and months, what they were like? You were, you were willing to do anything. You were willing to do everything that he told you to do. This is especially true for those people who become believers in their late teen years or uh, in their adult years. There's some people who, once they become a believer, when they're in college, they, they think at least for a while, or maybe they make a permanent decision to change their career plan because of what Christ has done in their lives. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, just as you received Christ, continue in him. So if you want that fire and that passion that you once had, then go back to that time that you had this sort of readiness, this submissiveness to do whatever Christ wants you to do. So, this is the first thing. We look back. We keep the fire burning by looking back to the way it once was. And when we have that ache, when we have that longing, when we have the desire to have that kind of life we once had, we'll do anything to get it back. And that leads us to the next thing we need to talk about. Because the second way we keep the fire burning is by maintaining, here's the word, continuous contact with Jesus. And we've seen, Paul says in verse 6, just as you received him, continue in him. But then he uses a series of participles to sort of flesh out what it means to continue in him. If you remember your English classes, a participle is a, is a, is a phrase. It's an incomplete sentence. It can't stand alone by itself. It is dependent upon the main verb. The main verb is continue. And then these, these participles, these 
phrases, these snippets show up that help us understand what it means to continue. So he uses the phrase rooted and built up, and then he uses the phrase strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and then he uses the phrase overflowing with thankfulness. These phrases describe the life of someone who is continuing in Christ in the same way that they began in Christ. So let's turn these things into commitments. Let's turn these things into pledges. First of all, write this down. I will continue to develop my character. That's what Paul meant when he used the participle uh, rooted and built up in him. Rooted and built up. At first, it, it seems like these are two separate actions because rooted is an agricultural term and built up is an architectural term. But in Paul's day, in the Greek-speaking world of Paul's day, that had really just become the same way of, uh, uh, or two ways of saying the same thing. And so it was really a, a single phrase, rooted and built up, rooted and built up. And really, if you think about it, uh, it's, it's a really vivid way of speaking, not just of agriculture, but of architecture. Because just like a tree has roots, a building has a foundation, right? And so to be rooted and built up means to have the foundation laid and build something on top of it. And just as you have been rooted in the faith, now get something built on top of it. You know, we build foundations so something can go on top of it, right? A few weeks ago, I was in uh, Hamilton. Diane and I had a chance to visit with Jean and Kathy, and, and uh, they took us on their gator around to where Tom and Sheila Eberslage are getting a place built, too. And then they took us around to where the molars are getting a place built, too. I think Jean's a pretty good salesman. He's going to have half our church in Hamilton pretty soon. But uh, right now, there's just the foundation, really just the beginnings of the foundations of the Eveslage's house. But it was still interesting to go there because there's something that's going to be built on there. Now, 15 years from now, if there's nothing but a foundation still there, we'll ask the Eveslage's what went wrong, right? Because when you build a foundation, you build a foundation for something to go on top of it. There's a foundation that's been laid. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that foundation was not an end in itself. It was laid out so that something might be built on it. So the Apostle Paul is telling us we continue in Christ, having been rooted, now we are built up. You know, we often speak of something that is helpful and useful to us. We speak of it as edifying, don't we? We hear a mentor or a coach or an influential teacher talk to us and we talk about how they edified us. But do you hear in the word edify, you also hear it in the same word edifice. An edifice is just another English word for building. You're gathered in this edifice, this building here today. And, and so there's a lot that the Bible has to say about being edified, about being built up. And, uh, and, and let me give you just some examples of what the Bible has to say about that. So... Some verses speak of God building us up, God himself doing that work. So we find this in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. So sometimes the Bible tells us that God is the one that is building us up. And some verses speak of our responsibility to build up ourselves because of the work that is God, what God is doing in us. And so there's verse 20 in the little one chapter book of Jude where he says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So that passage tells us that 
we do the building. Acts chapter 20 says God does the building. This passage says we do the building. And then there are some other passages that say that somebody else, another human being, does the building in us, and we have the responsibility of doing the building in somebody else's life. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. So which one is it? Is God doing the building up? Are you doing the building up of your faith? Is somebody else doing it for you? The answer is all three. The answer is interchangeable. So we need to understand the importance of this. We need to develop our character. That's what it means to continue in Christ. Here's a second thing to write down. I will continue to develop my convictions. I will continue to develop my convictions. I said that Paul used three phrases, three participles in this passage. The first is rooted and built up. The second is strengthened. Strengthened in the faith that you were taught. Now if rooted and built up is about character... Being strengthened in the faith is about convictions. Now I want you to underline the phrase in here, the faith. Not just strengthened in faith, strengthened in the faith. You know, sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you see faith. And sometimes when you're reading the Bible, as in this instance, you see the faith. And there's a difference. We need to understand it. Faith is a reference to our commitment. The faith is a reference to our convictions. Faith is a reference to belief. The faith is a reference to what we believe. And so we need to understand there's a difference here. Paul was saying to the Corinthians, look, you've been taught the faith by your founding pastor. Now establish that, confirm that, get strengthened in the faith that has been passed on to you. That's what it means to continue uh, our relationship in Jesus. Now, now, how do you do that? How do you get strengthened in the faith? Well, one way you do it is just by, doing, by continuing to do what you're doing right now. By coming into this place, by logging on online, by participating in this service as we study the word together, as we sing the songs of the faith. Uh, an, another way to do it is to get together in small group settings, such as the short-term study classes that we do on Sunday nights in the fall and in the spring. Another thing to uh, develop in your faith is, is, to, is, is to read good books by by authors that know what they're talking about and you'll get strengthened in the faith. You know, there are a lot of articles online these days where people are expressing concern about younger adults that move out of uh, a, a time in youth groups and then when they move into adulthood they drop their belief in the faith. Sometimes that happens because they start asking questions that they never really encountered when they were in high school or their friends start asking them questions that they can't immediately answer, and they assume since they can't immediately answer those questions about their Christian faith, there must not be any answers. But we grow in our relationship with Jesus when we grow in the faith, when we discover that our faith can withstand the kinds of questions that we ask and other people ask about it. We'll continue to live in faith as we grow strong in the faith. The more you know what you believe, the stronger your belief will be. Here's a third thing to write down. Here's what we need to continue to do. I will continue to develop my worship. Now I said that after Paul told us to continue what we started in Christ, he laid out three partial phrases. He said rooted and built up. And the second one was strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And now here's a third phrase overflowing with thankfulness. We continue in Jesus as we overflow 
and thankfulness. Now, the Apostle Paul used the word thankfulness, and I asked you to write down the word worship. But don't you see that the word worship is thankfulness. When we are thankful to God, we're going to worship Him. We're going to express our appreciation to Him for all He has done for us. You know, for a lot of people, the longer they become Christians, the more likely they begin to see blessings as entitlements, as I said before. The more likely they'll lose the wonder of the cross. The more likely they'll lose the amazement at grace. And as those attitudes take over, real worship fades away. But the more we return to gratitude, to thankfulness about the cross, about grace, about God's intervention in our lives, about God's great provision and gift of the Bible, the more we will worship Him. And so as we began worshiping Him, we continue in Him by worshiping Him. You know, there's an old saying in recovery circles, it is easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. It is easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. And what that means is if you, if you wait around for the want to, for the desire, for the motivation to do certain things, you're going to be waiting sometimes a long time. It'll never happen. But if you just do what you know you're supposed to do, sometimes the mood, the emotions, the motivation follows. And that's true when it comes to worship in here. Sometimes on a Saturday night, sometimes on a Sunday morning, we just don't feel like we would worship God in authenticity. We just don't feel like worshiping. And so we make our decision about whether to show up at church, whether to sing the songs of the faith. We make our decision based upon whether we've got the want to. But it's easier to find ourselves uh, uh, feeling like worshiping if we'll just go ahead and open up our mouths and worship. We'll find ourselves with the motivation and the drive and the desire sometimes to worship if we'll just show up. And so we need to make sure that we're doing that if we want to continue with the commitment, with the fire, with the drive that we started with. So how's the fire in your heart? Does it burn brightly for God? We keep the fire burning by looking back, by thinking about the way it was when we first started, and then returning to that passion, continuing in that passion as we do these things, such as a steady, continuous commitment to develop our character and our convictions and our worship. Do you feel like you need to make a fresh start with God today? There's an old saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. If it's been a long time since you felt any passion for God, the best time to address that was several years ago. But the second best time is today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Now I want to lead us in a word of prayer if we are believers, and I want to lead us in a word of prayer if we need to become believers. Some of us, we've been believers for a while, but the reality is that when we look at this passage in the book of Colossians, we realize that we have not continued in the faith just as we began in the faith. We don't have that drive, that passion, that desire. We're not amazed by grace anymore. And maybe we need to pray something like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me into this place today where I can recommit myself to you. I realize, Lord, that the fire I had when I started is just a flicker of a flame now. But I don't want it to be like that. I'm not satisfied with that. So I repent. 
and I ask that you would return me to the love I had at first. Help me to uh, know the things I need to do, the things I need to address, the things I need to see after, so I can continue today with the same passion I had when I began. But there's another kind of prayer that some of us need to pray in here today, and I want to lead some of you in that, because some of you, it's not a matter of continuing and something you started, but starting something that has not yet begun. Maybe you need to start faith in Jesus Christ today. Maybe you need to say yes to him. You've heard these songs of celebration lifted up. You've looked over what we've had, uh, to, what God has had to say in his word today, and maybe you need to pray something like this. Let me lead you in this prayer. Dear Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior and Lord. Help me to understand what you did for me on the cross. I thank you for taking away my sin on the cross. I thank you for giving me a clean heart inside because you took away my sin on the cross. And now I pray that as you have forgiven me and restored me and renewed me in the relationship with my Creator, from this day forward, I'll learn more about you. I'll learn more about how to follow you all the days of my life. Heavenly Father, as a pastor, I pray for those who prayed these prayers today to commit themselves to Jesus or recommit themselves to Jesus. Give us guidance on what to do next and next and next as the days go by. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us next time as guest pastor Dr. Phil Walker shares a sermon titled Called to Be on Mission. I'm your host, John Parker, and this has been Hillcrest to Go. For more information, please contact us at hillcrest.church.